Welcome to another episode of Distry. Uh, we are on our Wonder in, in Disneyland series. We've gone through concept art and walkthrough attraction. We've gone through the 1958 physical ride, but now we are getting to the 1983-84 new Fantasyland remodel, which adds a lot of improvements to Alice as a ride. And we will be closing with the 2014 to what it looks like now enhancements. Uh, my name is Kirk from Walrus Carp, and with me as always is Kate, the Disney Cicerone. Kate, how are we doing this evening? Oh, I'm doing so great. I think this has been a really fun series to dig into, Alice, and kind of find some of the the little stories from the Imagineers who, who built this attraction, some of the unique ways that they innovated, and uh, some of the new techniques they used in artistry to make this come alive. And same is true with the 1983 remodel. Um, they used new technology and new things that they they and they also did a lot of throwbacks to the original movie as well to really make mm -hmm. this ride the best version of it that it could be. So, um, and I know that you know Alice in Wonderland is so near and dear to your heart, being Walrus Carp from Walrus and Carpenter. So this has been a really fun one to dig into with you. Huge fan. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, so we are headed. What where we just were was we finished up the 1958 uh, ride through, which um, didn't feature a specific storyline of Alice in Wonderland. It really had kind of just a series of scenes from the movie, and then it ended with the tea party, and then you would go out of the vine, and then it was over, and that was it. So. Um, we talked about the the 2D flats and the in innovation with, with the black light and the fluorescent paint, which they used to add dimension to the ride. Um, but in 1983, 1982-83, they decided to redo all of Fantasyland. Fantasyland had been, what they said, it was being held together by like layers of paint by that point from, <laughs> from 1955 to 1980s. Um, and they really just needed to revamp it a little bit so um this alice in wonderland actually though got delayed it was supposed to be open with the 1983 new fantasy land that opened but it wasn't ready and it was mostly because of budget cuts um it delayed the remodel of it so it was supposed to open in 1983 but it didn't open until april 13th of 1984 which was a great year i love 1984 <laughs> um, but uh so the main person who oversaw this Fantasyland remodel and new to Fantasyland was Tony Baxter. So we get a lot of stories um, from Tony of this. But the main the main things that they they tried to do with this version was to capture a more immersive experience, more of the storyline, and more of the color and mood from the original film. So they used less black light um, because it just was starting to get outdated by the 1980s. It'd been around for 30 years. People weren't impressed by blacklight like they were in the 1950s. Um, but they also uh, added some more animated characters into it, um, which we'll see some of those show up, and they added some new special effects. So um, this in this Fantasyland remodel, they also moved the Mad Tea Party from where it was in front of the castle, um, uh, well, behind the carousel, <laughs> near the castle, and they moved it over to be closer to Alice in Wonderland. So the whole area became a mini land, Alice, with the addition of the Mad Hatter gift shop and the college. college Bring many lands to Magic Kingdom, Walt Disney World. I'll start making signs <laughs> and showing up. I've been a proponent of this for years. Okay, so it was going to be. Everybody says they should. Well, but aside. They had planned in 1971, they were going to put it in Disney World, but Raleigh Crump was kind of in charge of it. And he said, how fun would it be if you sat in a teacup and you got to spin the teacup to control your perspective as you went through the ride? So it would have been a version of Alice in Wonderland, but going through it in a teacup that you could spin, which I think would be pretty amazing. Um, but just budget cuts and time constraints and whatnot, they just totally cut the entire attraction and it never showed up. So isn't that I feel like this is the story that you told me of how they kind of figured out how to do uh, 
Who Framed Roger Rabbit, where they put uh-huh. a teacup on an existing rail system. Pinocchio. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. just were spitted it in there. I love that. That's so Yeah. Cool. They just took a took a teacup from the Mad Tea Party. They put it on the ride system for Pinocchio. And the Imagineers all piled in and they would see if they could turn it and if it would make sense in the ride. And it worked. And so they turned it into what is now um, the Roger Rabbit ride in Toontown in Disney. So I love that. That's so yeah. cool. Yeah. It's really fun. Um, so they moved the entire area and they made this, uh, this whole area for Alice over, um, where Alice already existed. So this ride didn't move, but the Mad Tea Party did. And something that's really interesting is the ride operation booth for the Mad Tea Party is the home of the March Hare. And if you look on top, there's some crooked smokestacks on top and they're supposed to resemble rabbit ears. So something. Oh, that's interesting. I'll have to look at that when I'm there in Disneyland. Yeah. Yeah. So. The another thing I would just want to layer on top of what you've already said is Disneyland was so excited at the fact that they were getting six million guests per year. That's what they were hoping and planning when they originally created it in the 50s. But by 1983, there was over 11 million people enjoying the Magic Kingdom, which made Fantasyland one of the more crowded locations, which is what led us Fantasyland 1983-84 project. Yeah. Um. That, did you get to see the opening ceremony from when they opened this attraction? Uh, in in 84? No, I meant like uh, the video of it. Did you run into that? I, no, I, no, found, I, I found no. it. And it's it's got it's got it all. It's got um, the Mad Hatter and Alice. And they have a whole bunch of these red heart balloons. Um, they did a balloon release at the end of it. But then they had dancing flowers. And I feel like they had dancing playing cards, too. Let me zoom through this a little bit to see if I can find them for you. But um, they definitely had dancing flowers, and they had the Queen of Hearts, who had these a giant pair of scissors, which you can see here. You're not supposed to rub with scissors, White <laughs> Rabbit. What are you doing? The costumes are definitely better than the first time this ride was premiered in 1958. They're a little bit more accurate, but you can see all the characters, the White Rabbit, uh, Tweedledee, Tweedledum, Giant, Roses, uh, Walrus from Walrus and the Carpenter, and uh, the Queen of Hearts is going to take these giant scissors and somewhat violently cut the ribbon for this attraction, which, you know, what I think is really interesting is they did have some uh, people, ambassadors and whatnot, open this attraction, but they really let the characters have have the honors of cutting ribbon which we didn't really see in the 50s it was always like walt disney with some dignitaries you know so it's yeah just- i don't know this is more fun for guests from a guest perspective it's become more of a show uh which is i think what it should be yeah let me see if i can show you the the ribbon cutting because it's 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 a, a here she goes so she's she winds up and it's a <laughs> dude off off with their head you know if somebody's <laughs> gonna cut it you might as well be her yeah, and then they do a balloon release, and all the balloons go up in the air, and it was that was the uh, grand opening of Alice in Wonderland. Should we talk a little bit about some of the changes of maybe the queue? Sure. Vehicles. Um, also, I just want to point out that uh, all of um, this new Fantasyland project takes a long time, right? So it's it's and it it cost a lot. The projected project in its entirety was $55.5 million for the two-year plan, which I think is insane for the time period. And the amount of things that were gained, I don't know if like they spent the money effectively or not. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? They did a lot of things to it though. I I feel like, so here I have the work copy and this is from 81. So it's really clear that the work copy for this remodel of Disneyland um, for Alice in Wonderland, they didn't really know what they were going to do for it yet in 1981. I don't know if it's because they didn't have budget or they just weren't ready yet. It does seem that they knew that they were going to increase the track length by this point by about 600 feet. Um, but they didn't, or that sorry, the square footage by 600 feet. But they didn't really know what else they were going to do with it because if you look on all of the other attractions in the work copy for this in 1981, they have detailed about like all the changes that are going to happen, all the characters that they needed, all the estimates. But this is what it says in 1981. All it says is undetermined at this time. (laughs) All the pages say that. It's like blank pages of undetermined at this time. 
So it's very clear that they just didn't know in 1981 what they were going to do yet with it. Um, so I think that's really interesting uh, little piece of history there. But if we're going to the queue, the queue did change. Um, hang on, hang on. Before we start changing stuff, I just have one quick like. So uh, Tony Baxter was the chief show designer for New Fantasyland Project at the time. And he recalls the Fantasyland area, which you agree is still spatially a problem, but the Fantasyland area was overtaxed and we had to spatially enlarge it. We broke the Alice portion off from the other rides. We knew we were moving the teacups over there and we had this mini lands that you were talking about. We waited so we could concentrate on it later. And at, like the 1955 Fantasyland, we ran out of money. And Alice was way more complicated. It was the only Fantasyland dark ride that goes on multiple levels. And we made the sets uh, a lot more dimensionalized. Which, if that's a word, I don't know. <laughs> dimensionalized. Dimensionalized. <laughs> where before, they were all flat. And we talked about it in the previous ones. Flats being like flat, mainly uh, wood with paint. Uh, and then in the 1980s, a lot of us who were newer at Imagineering were trying with these rides to pay homage to the best of Disney animated films. We had an opportunity to make the rides as pure to the original films as possible. So that's why Alice basically gets a tabula rasa or a blank slate because they didn't know what they were going to do. They didn't know how much money they would have left over, but they knew they really wanted to make it something special with uh, the changeover. Yeah. They really wanted to pay homage to the original film so much so that they used the exact colors from the film and they matched them. They took those colors and then put them in the attraction. So if you look at the version from 1958, like I, we had uh, in a previous episode, we looked at the flower room and how it was just kind of a little bit drab, you know, just not as vibrant as it would be today. Um and that's because they they went back and used those colors from the film, which, of course, was inspired by Mary Blair, Claude Coates, Ken Anderson, John Hench, all those people that worked on that that color and styling for the attraction. Um, I was going to see if I had one for you guys, but I don't know if I have it. I, I was using mainly the videos because I thought they were better representations. Yeah, no, for sure. Um Okay, so let's go to the outside queue. What changed between 1958 and 1984? Um, the track was rerouted, which I'll get to all of the end of the attraction, why it was rerouted in a minute. Um, and then a large tree was planted to hide the track, which is one of my favorite stories because everybody assumes that it was for shade, and I mean, it is, it does shade the queue pretty well and it does shade the ride, but it actually was that cast members heard that men were embarrassed to get on the ride because they didn't want to get in these like pastel caterpillars. And they felt uh, in the 1980s, they were very embarrassed, the 70s, 80s, they were embarrassed to get on these caterpillars. So they put this gigantic tree in, which hid them from sight while they were sitting on these this exposed area of this outside vine. <laughs> I I know you have a few thoughts about that, Kirk. I honestly I just don't understand. Like it's a great attraction and be confident sitting in a caterpillar. Like get over it, get in the thing and and sit proudly in those pastels. Oh, I think it said a lot more about those men than it said about anything else. So Yeah, seriously. I, you know, get in the caterpillar, dude. Personally, I love the tree just because it's a gorgeous tree, provides a lot of shade, and it's a really beautiful part of that attraction. Um, compared to what we used to have, this track, it uh, had these lions, which we don't have anymore. And then uh, the stylized grass and whatnot, which still survived, and they used to have these giant leaves in the queue for shade instead of that tree. So... Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I think the tree is an incredible addition. I think it looks better. But the reasoning and logic that they used to plant it, I don't agree. It's silly. It is. It was It was a different time. It was It was a different time, I guess, is all I got from that. <laughs> it was. Um, so the cars themselves, they they really didn't change very much. They did got it. They got a new, um, like, they put it on a new chassis. I think was all they did. So they kind of updated the, the mechanism so that it was just refreshed at this point. But they're the same 
Once you was sitting in 1958, they're still there. Mm-hmm. They're still kicking. Yeah, they're beautiful. <laughs> um, and then I also have a note that the voice of the original Alice, Catherine Beaumont, was used again. So they brought her back in for the new storyline, the new um, narration. They brought her back in and re-recorded her for the 1984 version, which I think is just really special that they did. Yeah, that. I think that's awesome. Another large change is that we're getting we're getting out of the flats era and we're moving to uh, more than 24 new sculpted figures are going to be added within the attraction itself. So no more flat, no dimensions, and now into sculpted characters. And a really big change is that they added um, so a few audio animatronics to the ride as well, including for the first time ever, Alice herself. Because if you remember... They didn't have the characters in the original attraction, except for that walkthrough version, which we did see earlier. She was going to be there. Um, They debated whether or not they were going to put her in because it was such a tradition to not have the main characters. Because kids ride through and be like, this this said Peter Pan, but where is Peter Pan? Like, I don't see Peter Pan. So you look in the mirror, kid. (laughs) You are Peter Pan. You are Peter Peter Pan is in you. Yeah. No, kid, kids are a lot more literal. Where's the pan? <laughs> so they did decide to put Alice in um, in the attraction where you can physically see her for the first time. Uh, but the interesting thing is that uh, Imagineer David Mumford was the show designer for this remodel. And uh, there was an Alice figure that was added in the 1984 renovation that actually came from the Mickey Mouse Review in Disney World. So he said the Alice figure was a last minute addition after some debate over showing the character. There was a set of Alice figures in storage from the 1971 Mickey Mouse Review attraction in Florida. Included were some flower garden heads, the Mad Hatter, the March Hare, and Alice. So we used them in Disneyland in 1984. They were essentially like forgotten backup figures that were... um, in storage at WED and intended as backups for uh, Walt Disney World's Mickey Mouse review. So think of this like B-mode, but like lost B-mode for Mickey Mouse review. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, If you're familiar with that, it's like when the the audio audio animatronics aren't working, they put something in its place, right? They do kind of like an A-mode and a B-mode. So um, this was kind of like the forgotten B-mode and it was, uh, that's what they put in the attraction, which... She doesn't look a lot like the one in the film. I have to say, she's she's something. It's better than nothing, you know. It is. It it is. And I have this is my picture of her. She's holding a rose. But yeah, she's she's fine. She's there. She's not terribly animated. <laughs> so that was the first Alice we ever saw in the attraction. This was the A mode, by the way, for what she looked like in the actual Mickey Mouse review. So if you're interested in that, surround she's saying Golden Afternoon. And it was originally going to be called Mickey's Musical Review, and they changed the name of it, just in case you have any Disney World fans out there. Um, all right. Do we want to do kind of like a ride through, and we'll just stop and say some things? Yeah, I just have uh, two more quick quotes. Okay. I got another one from uh, Tony Baxter talking about the 1950s and moving on from black lights and flats. So the 1950s, black light was a miracle, and it worked really well. Back then, you turned on a black light and showed people these paintings on the walls, and there were a lot of images uh, which were designed to just kind of like pop out and amaze you in the black light. People go into these magical worlds, and the black light effect had no overused connotations. It was an experimental medium at the time. But in the 1980s, we had to use something secondary, to what people would see in the ride. The way these rides were lit still hid the flaws, but what you see is more dimensionally realized. It's more like you're really in the environment. The Alice scenes with the leaves and the flowers and the caterpillar and the Cheshire cats, all of that is really there. Yeah. Yeah, more dimensional. Yeah, what do you put in Dimensionalize. Tony <laughs> Baxter loves to dimensionalize. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, that's great. I do have a little bit of concept art too uh, from Tony Baxter. So this, Let's see it. If we're talking about the queue, 
you can see the big tree that was it's uh, cool it'll have mushroom ticket booth just became kind of like the yellow mushroom um and then yeah it really isn't they took out the big dandelions they left the stylized grass it's really not that much different than it was no truthfully and then i have a picture of uh the so if we're talking about animatronics there is two for the march hare and the mad hatter at and they i have this little thing it says rotate on turntables so that's how they were animated there but this is in this special part in the end which we'll get to more information about that in a minute <laughs> um and i also have one of the whole the area as a whole what this looked like this is actually hanging in the disney 100 gallery right now in disneyland so if you oh, that's cool. visit that um, i don't think it's the actual concept art but i'm not sure it seems like everything there is just kind of so uh you can see the mad hatter over there and then they have a big teapot, which is the center of the Mad Tea Party, which is neat. And then behind there, you can kind of see the caterpillars. Caterpillars in the background. Mm -hmm. And I love that they had like big bushes with roses on them. I'm kind of sad that we never got that, but it's okay. Yeah. And there's another section in here. Uh, at the opening ceremony, the show designer, Bob Kurzweil, said, in creating the new Alice in Wonderland, we had an opportunity to use animated three-dimensional figures and had special effect technologies which simply were not available when the show first opened in 1958. Now, as a result of higher-level sophistication, the guests have more of a sense of being there in Wonderland with all the characters. That's pretty great. So, shall we go through the actual ride and just stop along the way? Let's ride it. Let's go through it. And I'll show them the original ticket booth alongside. This that. is... This is where the cast members go in and cry right in here now. Pure cast members, that's you. I'm so sorry. But you could see what it used to look like and what it looks like now. And they did change the book a little bit. So the styling on the book is different than it was. Um, there's I like I like the older styling. Yeah, I do too. I think that graphic is so much better. They actually were selling uh, posters of the original. That's pretty neat. Like, I wouldn't buy this. I would buy the one you set up. I like the traditional ones. Yeah, me too. All right. So let's let's hop on the ride and move through it, and we'll give some history as we go. So same same thing here, although we do have, I don't remember rabbit footprints in the original, but there's not a lot of pictures on it, so I'm guessing yeah. that these were probably additions. Yeah, and then as we go down the rabbit hole into this area, you can see it's really hard to see there. Um, I have kind of a better picture of what it looked like with the lights on. And you can see they painted the floor with a checkerboard pattern, and they have a portrait of a, a rabbit on the wall and some curvy kind of like distorted um, like candelabra. It's like So it feels like you're falling down this hole. And then at the end is the doorknob door that will then open up and if you remember the 1958 it was we were looking at the cheshire cat and we were getting smaller either we're getting a um the moving doorknob yeah so then it's actually this... speaking to us so this is like an audio animatronic mouth and then yeah. the door opens up yeah, and then here we see kind of a um, the white rabbit running off and chasing Alice. Um, and we see then Tweedledee and Tweedledum for the first time because we didn't have them in the original one, which throws back to what we saw. If you remember in our first episode of the series, how we saw Tweedledee and Tweedledum, let me pull that one up because that's a pretty interesting how I think that they pulled some of these original concepts out and then um, use them here from the original walkthrough because this looks so similar with the the trees on either side mm -hmm. and the two of them kind of dancing yeah it has the log just move the log behind them instead of the foreground and you're pretty much there yeah i do like how uh they sequence these because you see the one like flat and then they kind of like one leans to the left and the other one leans to the right and they do have the same noises now implemented from the original film that like honking noise that they make tweedledee and tweedledum make yeah you so. pass really quickly 
a flat of the rabbit's house, and now we're looking at a 3D figure of the white rabbit jumping, very simple animation, jumping up and down with the clock rotating in his hand. Yeah, so this area here is where we had the upside down room, and then the, um, the oversized room was replaced by an expanded garden of live flowers. So what, where we are right now is the what was the upside down room and then they changed it to uh, White Rabbit and Tweedledee and Tweedledum. So that's how that changed. And then we had we still had up an incline way more dimensional than it was and much more vibrant. So that was a bread and butterfly at first. And it... The rocking horse flies, dandelions, singing tulips. And the caterpillar, which we didn't have before. But again, like pulls back to that original scene that we had it's so similar to this one from the original um walkthrough attraction that it's hard to imagine that it didn't come partially from that of course it comes from the film itself but um so much of it just reminds me of that yeah and on the left hand side there's a projection space that looks like he's blowing smoke rings in the shapes of letters Right, which is exactly what they said they wanted to do in that walkthrough attraction. Oh, and they said the caterpillar blows smoke letters and asks, who are you in that stage? And now we see the tiger lily replies, thinking that Alex, Alice, not Alex, Alice to the riders are weeds and pouts in disgust. Well, a dandelion then pops up and roars. So we see both of those things. Then we're into the Tolji wood, which actually doesn't seem like it's changed that much, except the colors are brighter. Um... And they definitely have a lot of animated characters, but they have the pencil bird, the accordion owl, the eyeglasses bird, a horn-shaped duck with its ducklings, an umbrella bird, a cage bird, and a pair of hammer birds nailing signs to a tree. And of course, we have the Cheshire cat. Up in the which, which that's a, a new iteration character as well for this area. Yeah, because the Cheshire cat before was super scary. So <laughs> probably good that they updated that Cheshire cat. Um and then this is where we used to enter into the mad tea party, right? But now the scene is completely changed. So where we never had the Queen of Hearts before in the original version, and now we get a very significant Queen of Hearts scene. And uh, we get a hedge maze. We get the singing playing cards that were painting the roses red. Um, if you can keep playing that. And then, okay. Um, and then the, we'll get the white rabbit who announces the queen of hearts and the king. So here we see them heading into that hedge maze, which is just like the one that we saw in that original walkthrough attraction in a lot of ways. And Well, they, they mentioned in that walkthrough. Can you, do you have the overview of the walkthrough? If not, I can pull up. Yeah. Well, it's not a great picture of it because it's, but you can see. Are you talking about this one? Yeah. If you can, can you zoom in or can you not zoom? onto the rotating card section because it's it's like a 180 degree turn i feel like that's from the walkthrough i don't know that's about as far as it goes okay so it's it would be in the dead center of your frame right by right before the exit it says uh revolving card men and this kind of makes me feel like this is their little rotunda wheel going round and round in a circular pattern yeah, let me show section. Like this, the twin barrels is probably what this they meant by that. Uh, no. I guess. No, no, I caught that. <laughs> the benefits of not having good pictures. <laughs> Stop. But this, hey, I'll so, pull it up. this looks so much like that, though, with the maze. This to me is what reminds me of that because we have all of the soldiers. Um, that actually form the cards form a maze that you have to walk through to get to the trial. And that to me is what reminds me of that. Scene. Yeah. So this is what I was trying to get at. This oh, section right here, not the tunnel, not the tunnel down I here. I think it's because of your text, but you can, but you can see that they're rotating them around a post. So take your concept art, throw it on this rotational section. And I feel like that's how you get to this, to this final piece. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. And I love that they use what mirrors behind the the cards to make them look like there's way more than there are, which is, um, you know, they this classic Disney. 
Disney used that trick first in the Sleeping Beauty Castle walkthrough with the spinning, um, like spinning wheels. They go round and round and they use a whole bunch of mirrors to make them look like a whole bunch of them. That's where they first use that effect. Um, okay, so now we get to a place where we see uh, that the Queen of Hearts and well, we see the White Rabbit first kind of announcing the Queen of Hearts. And then we see the Queen of Hearts and we see um, all of them playing croquet. Um, and here's where I want to mention that the names of the voice credits for these characters. Um, Alice, of course, was Catherine Beaumont, which we already mentioned. The White Rabbit is Corey Burton. The Ace of Clubs is Thurl Ravenscroft. So if you're familiar with Thurl Ravenscroft from Haunted Mansion and a lot of other places in the Disney parks. Uh, the cards are Corey Burton. The Cheshire Cat is Tony Pope. Uh, Tweedledee and Tweedledum are Corey Burton again. Uh, the Queen of Hearts is Tress McNelly. And the King of Hearts is Tony Pope again. So that's the voice credits that you're hearing in this attraction. So now we hear the king tells the writers rule 42. The queen always wins. And we see a projection of a hedgehog just spinning on the wall before the queen kind of loses her, you know, she she loses it and she's she's mad. You're going into what is the trial room, right? And you can you can see the king at the top. These doors are the ones that it used to go through that were the, the series of doors that would get smaller and smaller. And then you'd hear the goofy yell through each one. Well, they they kind of did away with the goofy yell for everything except for the last one. And they have these cards that are kind of guarding the doors and you're trying to push your way through the cards to get out. Right. And then you end up in this open vine area. So this is uh, from the top of the vine. If you look over to the right in this and you see the top of the old ticket booth, the mushroom ticket booth, they added six little tiny shoes for the caterpillar who has now turned into a butterfly, which not everybody notices them. So they're right there on top of that. And you also see the book says a very merry birthday to you, which is a little bit of foreshadowing for the next scene. So we're here, we're going down this vine. And usually the attraction would end at this point and go around in a U-turn in 1958. But in 1983, that all changed. So um, they demolished the area where the cars went into for maintenance. Can you pause it there for a second? Um, and what they did was, um, let me make sure I can find this because this is really interesting. So Tony Baxter was the one who wanted this end to this attraction. And he said... Alice in Wonderland always intrigued me because half of it was outside. As a kid, I used to sit up there on Snow Mountain, which back then was just a mound of dirt called Holiday Hill, uh, with some benches. And you could look down on Alice, and I was always fascinated with the track. It was convoluted, and it seemed to lend itself as part of a Wonderland world, kind of crazy and eccentric. And I thought it was an amazing layout. But as a kid, I was always a little disappointed. You could see from the top of the vine that you just reached the ground and that was the end of the ride. So he grew up that, became an Imagineer, was in charge of this project, and decided to add an ending onto this attraction. So that's what we're going to see now, is that we're going to go through, and it originally in 1980s uh, was, and, and 90s was a, like, smoke rings with a Cheshire cat. Because kind of like, you know, that part of the movie where she's kind of experiencing this kind of crazy part. And, uh, and then it spins around into the Mad Tea Party, which we had lost from the top of the attraction. Um, they did reuse some of these teacups, by the way. Um, I have a little note from Tony Baxter about that. If you can pause it on the Tea Party, Kirk, I will show them that um, concept art. Okay, leave it there. That's good. So this, says, this is some concept art from Tony Baxter, and it says Tea Party... And it says, repaint, repaint existing props and add teapots and small dormouse. So I believe they did reuse several of these teapots and teacups from the original 1958 attraction. And they just repainted them because why not? Um, and you can see in this particular video that there is only the Mad Hatter and the dormouse. And um, that's significant for our enhancements later. So just take March hair. that. Sorry. Yes, March hair. Thank I you. There's too many, too many characters. Yeah, it's not. 24 <laughs> plus. Um, so then the end of this attraction is a giant exploding unbirthday cake. And this is here because Tony Baxter wanted the end of the attraction to go out with a bang. 
So you let you left it smiling. It was silly. It was crazy. And uh, that was the whole purpose of that cake being there was so the attraction went out with a bang, which I yeah, I think it's I think it's like a it's a good plusing to enhance first of all, removing flats, getting audio animatronics, getting just sculpted, uh even if they're simply animated uh figures is a massive enhancement. And then you add to the ending. It's just a it's a great way to finish up an already enjoyable experience. No, I agree. Yeah, so What's funny is I have ridden the pre twenty fourteen version, yeah. so I so I did see the, see the so I have never seen the enhancements. So I'm it was cool seeing them. I was like, oh man, they really added a lot of like. Sometimes I I get all weird with projection stuff. Yeah, but I, I think it was really tastefully done. It was it was very well done. Um, before we get to the 2014 projections, I just want to talk about the safety railing debacle because I think this was a significant Please. Store, chapter in the Disney uh, Alice in Wonderland story. And for those of us who have lived it, it felt very traumatizing. <laughs> um, so in t what happened was in 2010, a visiting OSHA inspector mentioned in passing that the elevated track could pose a problem. And so Disney voluntarily shut down the ride for a quick safety fix. So um, the original vine was very, very narrow and small. And it was, was mostly not necessarily for guest safety. It was mostly for worker safety. They didn't have anything to prevent them from falling off of that platform. So, but it's very important to notice that like OSHA didn't shut them down or anything. They're just like, they're just like, oh, you, you know, you probably should think about like putting some safety stuff in there. So... Uh, they Disney like almost immediately closed it down, which is Disney's thing. They want to be safe, right? They're all about safety. That's a, that's one of their keys um, is is safety, and it's important that these workers are safe. So I think it, it was a good call. However, temporary safety fixes that were hideous. They put these like tarps up, and they put um, these really hideous railings. I'm trying to find a good picture of it for you guys because it was just. And then, okay, they put these giant, like, wood flats. Like, we're back to painted flats, okay? So there's the original track, and you can see this these ugly railings. And, oh, and Kirk's showing you the tarps that they put on the outside, which it's funny because at that time, like, Alice and the Mad Hatter would joke about how the place was being fumigated because they didn't have any other explanation for why it looked like that. Um, and every all the guests were just horrified because... It was so fun to ride in the caterpillar and make you feel like almost like a mad mouse, like you're about to go over the edge. And then it would suddenly turn. And that was part of the magic of that part of the track was that you always kind of like you couldn't see the edge from the front of the caterpillar. So they did make some final adjustments to it where um, they removed the temporary fixes, thank goodness. And what they did was they made it wider. And on the side, you can see on the left-hand side, they added a safety railing that um, cast members could harness themselves to or Imagineers or whoever's working on this could harness themselves to uh, so that they wouldn't fall off. Um, and they just expanded the uh, width of the vine. But it will it will never be the same. We are all, we mourn the vine that used to be. And now it also made the garden look really weird from below. Cause now it's yeah, I can't say it. I can't say that. Yeah. It's that's the worst part to me. Like the, the at least the view isn't obscured, but it still loses like the danger of the like you don't feel like you're on a vine. You just feel like you're on a floor. Yeah, it definitely. And much like it's it's like a ceiling above you too, which I. <laughs> I just found this picture. They had like the flowers dancing on the vine with like no safety gear whatsoever. <laughs> you probably couldn't even see the edge because they had these giant flower like heads on. No way. Things were different in 1984, we'll just say that. Um, so that was kind of the, the big debacle. So in um, 2014, when they closed it, July 4th, 2014 is when it reopened, but they closed March to July. They closed Alice and did a whole bunch of enhancements, and that's when they also fixed this track, which was good. It it needed it needed the track fixed, if nothing else. Um, so some of the enhancements we had, which you're talking about, which is the digital projections, 
the falling down the rabbit hole uh, projections of floating objects rotating above you made it the falling down kind of more believable. Um, and it's super vibrant. Like, this is what the picture looks like. Yeah, it's color wise. It looks insane. Yeah. How beautiful it looks. I mean, the attraction was already gorgeous, and now it's just that much better. Yeah. Um, I'll see. What else did they change? They uh, they put a scene from the actual movie of Alice chasing the white rabbit is projected on the wall. So right after you go through the uh, door with a doorknob on it, you see this actual scene playing out. I don't know if you have. You have should I? Should I? I would. I was like. Uh, I was like. Hey, you're talking a lot. Like, should I just like play this? I'll just it's like. Stop. No, no, not not that you're. T- no, it's just I'm like I feel like I can add some some context here to no, yeah, to the views. The some Besides, it, by the way, how different is it looking at uh, video footage in 2023 in 4K versus our 1958 computer generated because we don't even have footage, our 1991 handy cam, and now into 4K today. Yeah, we've witnessed a lot of technological history. Here you can see going down uh, the rabbit hole and you'll see those enhancements with the digital projection. So it just kind of looked like items are like floating above you and around you is kind of the the vibe you get. And then um, we're headed through the door and this is when you see the white rabbit kind of wave to you and run off and Alice chasing the white rabbit. Uh, Tweedledee and Tweedledum are pretty much the same as is the white rabbit that comes next. He's hopping up and down and very excited because he's late, like Kirk is so you, often. You, uh, <laughs> when did this happen? Uh, you also notice that there's projections the on some... You know that, right? Like, I, behind my back, I don't <laughs> appreciate it into my face, but no, 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 it's all good. The um, You get projections of the lilies, which we didn't have before, on some of these like flower petals. Also, there was above us, as soon as we enter into this room, there's a bread and butterfly that flies uh, just ahead. It's like real quick. Yeah. You get that where that originally wasn't there. And then on, I love I love the projections they did in here. I think they're very tastefully done. Some of these projections are terrible, but these ones are great. Projections are terrible when it's just per- projections. Like that but when you have, have when you have 80% practical effects meets 20% projection, that's an enhancement. Yeah, for sure. Caterpillar smoke gets a redesign, and it's much more convincing now. Yep. And then we head up into the um, Told You Wood area, which honestly doesn't look like it's changed that much. I don't think they changed anything in this room. I think the next change is in the... Uh, projection for the Cheshire Cat. Right. This one was a full figure Cheshire cat, but now they're illuminating and removing his body as well on this. And get on and, back. And, and Al, it's it's okay. That's why we do. There's that's why there's two of us. A redacted. <laughs> and then he disappears, which I think is a really cool effect as well, because it's a physical piece and then disappears using lighting. And then they, what's really clever is they using lighting. I'm gonna go back like just a second. Using lighting, they drop the lighting on him. And then project onto the physical body of him. So they removed the physical body. This is a projection in the background. They kept his real face, his structured sculpture face, dumped the lighting, and then add a projection. Um, yep. So then a lot of these characters are still, I just feel like they're a little bit more vibrant. Yeah, they repainted everything mm-hmm. and, and made it brighter. And then we head into the Rose Garden and the scene is pretty similar here until you get to the part with the hedgehog uh you also get painting like red uh splatter paints onto the hedges that are projections they did that look at that i'm learning yeah, yeah. look 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 yeah <laughs> so if you look right on the left hand side you'll see oh hang on hang on i gotta get you guys in the right the right frame see him oh yeah i see it i don't think i've ever noticed those on the physical ride so that's interesting. I wonder if they're still working now. I don't know. We'll have to take a look. So then we head into the scene with um, the Queen of Hearts and the King of Hearts who pops out behind her. <laughs> there he is. And me! And me! And then we have this beautiful upgrade to the hedgehog scene rather than just a single hedgehog ball rolling on the wall. Get, 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 get. 
end of the hedgehog. Yeah, I love that. A little movie. Plus, plus you get the animated characters on the sidewalls of these doors. So the door and shrinking door still exists, just slightly different. But they really removed a whole bunch of the cards that were in here. If you see, yeah, there, you, there was like four doors. Now there's only two. There's only two. So some people don't like that. They changed that part. Bring my doors back. Give me my doors. This yeah. does change this section so dramatically, though. Like this whole entire uh, extended area around the original track, it does take a massive amount of the viewing angle out. But yeah, and it's like it. We might as well just go straight at that point, because like, why are we bothering to? <laughs> To move around because we're just—it's a vine. Well, I mean, the Matterhorn, at least. Oh, it's a nice view. I like going outside on the on the vine, and you can still see the caterpillar shoes are still out there. Still my favorite ride in Disneyland. I mean, I—it's my second second favorite, but it's always what I go to first. What's your first? A haunted Mansion, for ah, sure. Yeah. Haunted Mansion, Pirates, and Alice—they're all kind of up there for me. Uh, I so think yeah. I think I would change my. I think I would go Alice. Pirates Haunted Mansion in Disneyland. Pirates is pretty Maybe, great uh, Disneyland. I don't know. It's so tough. I mean, it's pretty lovely. Yeah, it's wonderful. I'm super biased, though. All right, major differences. Major pro- different change in this one Um, as we go into that additional ending that Tony Baxter had added. When we go through the first door, now instead of it being a giant Cheshire Cat, which actually felt a little bit out of order. It- I think that was disjointed. I mean, I yeah. even feel like this Mad Tea Party section is out of order. And this always bothered me when I saw the original one with the Cheshire Cat. And the I'm like, that was in the middle of what should have been way back. Like, we already are coming out. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it really should have been like ended with the Queen of Hearts. It should be ended with the Queen of it shouldn't be queen getting incredibly mad at you and then this like smoke and the cards collapsing and when the cards collapse like like a poof of fog or mist and then boom you're out. Yeah. No, I agree. It is a little bit out of order, but we forgive them because it's super cute. So they have all these projections on top of like where there used to be smoke of teapots kind of like puffing steam and now we still have all the teapots that we had before, maybe a few less cups it looks like. Um, but this is a huge change to this tea party scene because we actually get an animated Alice with the March Hare and the Mad Hatter. And the Dormouse. So, and that was a, a big significant change that Alice is now seated at the table with them. And of course, the exploding unbirthday cake still happens with the do come back sign at the end. The, and the, they did put projections behind uh, the the fuse of the cake as well yeah so yeah so it's just as tastefully done i think is 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 a very apt description of that i think ah it's beautiful it's absolutely so the original attraction i think was great for the time you know they utilized black lights and uv to i think a great effect i think guests really enjoyed it i think from 1983 to uh when when did they install these safety rails? Was that 2010? Or was that 2014? Uh, 2010 is when they put up the temporary ones. 2014 okay. was when. So permanent. so 20 so from from 1983 to uh, 2009 is really when you get the peak of this attraction in terms of like because I, I really do think the vines enhanced it and then Very sad. the but the projections are so incredible that the attraction we have today is nearly flawless let's break up that ramp around the vine and we have a chef's kiss it's still a very beautiful ride and it's still really fun to go outside and there's like there's not many there's some rides that do go inside and outside in disneyland that is a pretty common thing um but there's two-story rides i know we have rise the resistance now that is two stories but you don't know that it's two stories most of the time when you're in it that's what we're going to talk about you're going to (laughs) bring Into this beautiful temple that we built, <laughs> you're going to bring in Rise of the Resistance? I'm talking, I'm thinking three makes it are two stories. Give me a break. Hey, I, I'll give you a break. Here's my break. <laughs> Let's champion uh, like a $14 million overhaul of the ha- uh, the Hall of Presidents and make a two-story sleepy hollow slash Ichabod Crane dark ride in Walt Disney World. Who's with me? Yeah, I could be on board for that. I think the IP might be too old for most people. We what? I love it. I love it. 
the head, but this horseman is classic. Yeah, but most kids don't know that. They don't. But know they would that. know that it's scary. My kids know Mr. Toad. I made sure they did, but there most kids don't know Mr. Toad. Most kids like they're like, "What is this?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I don't have an explanation because it also ends in a really hot place." Oh, we didn't mention that. By the fact, a lot of people will say that the Queen of Hearts room is so hot because it's over Mr. Toad, but it's not actually. So if you ever heard hear somebody say that, it's not it's not true. It's not accurate. That's not how they're layered. Just people will say that. It's a common myth in the Disney world. So stop saying it, people. Doesn't exist. Not true. Classic Disneylanders just saying <laughs> random facts that aren't facts. This has been such an epic adventure uh, down the rabbit hole uh, through Alice's Wonderland and adventuring through the history of the movie and then the ride in 1958 and then all the enhancements over the years. And it really is, I'm so glad this ride did not get demolished in 1984 that they chose to embrace it, enhance it, um, and that it's one that stuck around because it really is a fan favorite. I, I, I think it's, one of the best rides Disney has ever done, personally. I think I think it represents the film extremely well, uh, storyline wise, minus the the ending. So I I think just representatively, it's one of their better, true to story, beautifully done, grew with time and technology to make it this just ever-evolving, wonderful, new memory uh, experience for lots of different generations of guests. Longevity that this has had. And, and how many families have enjoyed it? It's unbelievable. It's yeah. beautiful. Today, it's, it's more beautiful than when it even was in 1958. I think this is like one of those things where every time they did something, minus the vine, was a spectacular success. Yeah, they've just made it better. And I think because they went back to the original movie and they said, how can we honor the original movie and bring more of that into it in a way that's uh, meaningful and beautiful? And because they did that, I think is what really made the difference versus like, let's just add something for fun to just like make it whatever, you know, like they really did pay a lot of attention to how to honor the original artist that created the attraction. And that I think really agreed. Thank you, everybody, for joining us for this episode of Distry with Kate and Kirk. We're so glad that you came on this adventure through the rabbit hole with us uh, for Alice in Wonderland. It's been a, such a joy to visit this, uh, this beautiful, iconic attraction with you guys and learn some of the secrets and all of the uh, history behind what the Imagineers intended for the attraction. Um, next week, we'll be headed somewhere new for Distry. Not sure what yet, but uh, we'll be back with something um, and we really appreciate you guys tuning into Distory. Thank you for being with us. And Kirk, do you have any final words before we leave, Alice? Like the curious, always be exploring. Don't get eaten. <laughs> always solid advice. I feel, I feel like, yeah, see? Be curious, but also be yeah. safe. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us and we'll see you next time.